0: So pull up a chair and join us on this journey from our little yellow house to yours.
1: The Raising Boys and Girls podcast is brought to you in partnership with Minnow. Minnow provides meaningful screen time and shared experiences for families to help you grow in your faith together. Check them out at podcast.gominnow.com. That's podcast.g-o-m-i-n-n-o.com. Melanie Schenkel and Sophie Hudson, also known as Big Mama and Boo Mama, are hosts of the Big Boo Cast podcast, where they talk about all the important stuff of life, faith, family, friends, football, fashion, and food, plus, of course, their hair. These incredible women and seasoned moms are also writers and speakers who bring joy and laughter wherever they go.
0: We are so excited to get to talk to the two of you today. And how long ago did we ask you to do this like 18 months ago because we were just so bursting at the seams to talk to you? It's been but a like long we did. time. Yeah, I think
2: I was trying to think. It was be- maybe before summer even. I think it was. Yes, I feel yeah. like mm-hmm. it
0: was. The first time we met y'all was at a dot mom and y'all were the MCs. Yes. Hilarious. <laughs> Hilarious. And
3: that was Always. like,
0: what, probably 15 years ago? I mean, that was probably...
3: 12 years ago. Mm -hmm. I mean, it it was a while ago. Yeah.
2: Yeah. It doesn't
3: feel
0: like it was. The pandemic counts for three years, so maybe it was. Yeah. (laughs) Yes. And I I will never forget, we were walking by y'all, this is such a random memory, but we were walking by y'all at the end of the day, that first time we met y'all, and y'all were signing books and had all these masses of people around you, and David, you got down on one knee and were like (laughs) raising your hands to (laughs) praise them, and I was like, "Mm mm-hmm, that's how I feel too, we just...
1: We loved you from uh, the get-go. Yes,
0: we have, we just have thought the world of y'all forever. we loved y'all from the get-go, I know. Wow. Your voices were definitely two that we wanted to have on this podcast, and we were like, really, we could talk about anything, and they would be amazing and have so much wisdom and be hilarious and a blast. So anything's a win when you get Sophie and Melanie. Thanks, Sissy. So we're just so happy to talk to y'all. And we've got a lot of questions. You know, we're talking about modern parents' vintage values, and... Y'all are probably younger than us, but David and I, at least, are feeling really vintage here, <laughs> I lady. I don't
2: think that we are younger than y'all. Yeah, I don't think we are. No. Uh-uh. My husband said the other day he just turned 51, and he's like, I'm going to tell you, it all really goes downhill at 51. He's like, getting out of bed in the morning feels different at 51. So we appreciate <laughs> vintage. Yes. I saw a little thing on
0: Instagram about, remember when medicine tasted like candy? And they talked about Dimetap. Do y'all remember oh, Dimetap? Oh, yeah. Great
1: Dimetap. Dimetap. No. <laughs>
0: I faked many a cold. To get dime Me too. It's my. Fa- I think it's part of why purple's still my favorite color. Your mom did not give you dime No,
1: I do remember Luden's <gasps> cough drops. Oh, yes,
0: they were in yes. the picture too. Yeah.
1: Yes, and we all had a yes. cough. Often in class to get those out. Get those out of that little box.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think Dimatap trumped Ludens. Mm, No, I'm going to go with Ludens
3: (laughs) because the Ludens was a way, you couldn't just sit in class and drink Dimatap.
0: That's true. (laughs)
3: But you could sit in class and pop a Ludens, you know, and it was totally fun. That is true. Yeah,
0: the Ricolar, however you say it, are not quite Ludens. Just don't have the same. Mm -mm.
3: No. They're not candy.
0: No. No. No, no, no. (laughs) (laughs)
1: Well, building from there, you two, and thinking about Modern Parents' Vintage Values, what would you both say is one vintage value you think kids struggle with today, and how do you think we could help them with it?
3: I don't know about Melanie. She may have a different thing. I think sometimes compassion is tough for kids, and not because they're so hard-hearted, because things move so quickly. So I think we don't sit in things for a long time necessarily with other people, whether that's something that we see that's happened in the world or something that even happens right around where we are. We just don't sit in those things because there's always something new and big in the next four hours, in the next 24 hours. And so sometimes I think it's difficult to show kids what it's like to really bear with people for the long haul and to be compassionate for the long haul.
0: I've never thought about that. That is so true. Is. I mean just even how fast mm-hmm. the news cycle when mm-hmm. tragedies
2: happen we just move on to the next thing. That's so true. Yeah. And we're and I think mine would be and Sophie this is not going to come as a shock to you but I think it's taking ownership of your actions, kind of taking responsibility for yourself and your actions. I think we've created a victim mentality. For a lot of kids, where nothing's ever their fault. And I think it comes out of like some parenting guilt where we want to make them feel better. And so we're like, it's fine, it's fine. It's not, you know, it's not your fault, but sometimes it is their fault. You know what I mean? Like sometimes if you want this thing, Mm. you have to work hard for it. And I feel like parents in the 70s, they never bought into that. Like they probably because they never listened to us enough to like process it. They're like, you're fine, you're totally fine. But I think now we want to make everything so good for our kids that sometimes, We don't let them feel maybe the consequences of their actions for a while.
0: I was teaching a parenting seminar on girls and relationships and friendships, and they were talking about how hard it is sometimes to get their girls to talk. And so one of the moms said, well, when I pick my daughter up from school— Every day I ask her who was mean to you today. Oh. Okay. And that seems to be the way to get her to talk. Wow. I know. Mm. You know,
3: that's interesting, Sissy, because I think a place where it's easy for parents and kids to connect is in a shared conflict. But mm. like yes. if they can have a shared adversary, you know? I yes. think when it is so hard to connect with teenagers especially sometimes, I think that's an easier spot. And it feels like you're on the same page, but (laughs) I don't know that it's long-term productive. But I do think Mm. that is a way to get them to talk to you for sure.
0: Yes, Mm -hmm. shared adversary or conflict. Sophie, you working with girls for so many years. I mean, what would y'all say is a good way to get kids to see their side? To not just listen, but help them move past the victim
2: piece of it? Oh, that's good. To me, when Caroline had grievances, and listen, she was a kid that loved to have a grievance. She still loves to have a grievance. (laughs) I mean, she does. So, But I was like, we can't sit in that. So it's like, number one, it's like, what could you do to change the situation? Like, put it back Mm -hmm. on her. Like, what can you do? Does that mean that you need to avoid that person? Sometimes, you know, it means that you need some distance. But it's like, I would always put it back on, like, how can you make this situation better instead of just feeding all the ways that she had been done wrong in this situation because I just think ultimately that's not beneficial. And for her, it would send her into a real spiral. So I'm like, we gotta lift the mood. Yes. Let's focus on the positive.
3: <laughs> yes. A question I ask a lot is, what does leadership look like here? Mm. What's leadership look like? Mm. What does Ooh, leadership look good. like? Mm.
0: Mm. Yes. It's great.
3: Because anything that diminishes or demeans somebody is not leadership. Mm. So sometimes that'll shift the tone of something if we can turn it back to that, I think especially with a teenage boy who tends to think everything is funny, even when it's not funny.
0: You, know? <laughs> you might have one of those in your life. <laughs> Which
3: that's a whole thing, I think, to realize, like, you haven't done anything wrong if they think the wrong things are funny. It's just you do have to constantly steer them <laughs> so back to what does leadership look like? What is leadership like? How do we move forward in this in a healthy way? And I think you know, that's going to be different with different personalities. And so I mean, Melanie has parented this hard charge in eight. I have this really gregarious seven who is always up for the next fun thing. But in all their different personalities, any kid has the capacity to lead.
0: So how do we get there? It's mm, true. Yes. And what that's a great, great reminder to help them move out of that.
2: Mm-hmm. Okay. What are y'all on the Enneagram? I don't know that I know that. Um we're both nines. We are both. <laughs> you are just are hard nines, sissy. Wow.
1: No wonder wow. we like you I both know. so much.
0: I want to be a nine. No wonder I know. me too. <gasps>
1: That's awesome. What are y'all? Oh. Ugh. We're both ones. Okay. okay.
0: Okay.
3: And though
1: you're our next door neighbor as nines, it's yes. like traveling across the globe, isn't it? <laughs> me getting to nine is like boarding a plane <laughs> to get to the other That's side fantastic. of Europe. It is.
0: We were on a plane talking about this last week, and I said, David, do you feel like as you're getting older, you're moving any more towards a nine? I mean, we were both Uh talking about it with such hope, like, surely we can get closer to being nine. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So...
3: You're so maybe heroes. just
1: being around the two of them more. Yes.
3: Okay. Yes. It'll rub off on
1: mm-hmm. us.
2: Listen, but, we could both use a little one. I will say yeah. we could uh, use a little one. No, we could.
1: A little, but not a lot.
2: <laughs> Y'all wouldn't be nearly as productive as you are if you were <laughs> embracing all your ness. Let me tell you. Let me <laughs> promise you that.
3: But isn't that funny <laughs> that we both ended up in a partnership with our same type? Mm-hmm. Like that it the two ones so found funny. each other, the two nines found yes. each other
1: yeah that is fascinating, uh-huh. wow,
0: yeah, wow. yes, we laugh a lot and say you would be scared to see us moving through the airport together. It's like,, <laughs> <laughs> we are so fast,
1: like Moses parting the red Sea. like I know. it's just a lot of people moving out of the way because we're moving so fast <laughs> That's
0: terrible That's so good, I know. okay. I have another real question for you. So what would y'all say is one of the issues you think is harder about being a parent today? That's different from
2: when your parents raised you. Oh, I would say 100% social media. Mm. I think the phones and the social media and, you know, mine's in college now, so it's not my problem anymore. But it's, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it could be. But thankfully, but I think that's such a hard aspect of parenting to manage because you're you're having to monitor what they see, what they're sending, what they're recording, what they're I mean, it's just it's a whole thing that our parents didn't have to think about.
0: Mm-hmm. So true.
2: And I think for girls, especially, I think it's the instant time knowing that you're being left out of something. I think it's the perception of yourself and how you look compared to how others look. You know, and there's all those like little funny memes about like what we looked at like at 13 versus what girls look like now at 13. But it's kind (laughs) of real. And you're like, that's not reality. So I think that's a really hard thing to have to manage.
3: I think that's hard on the parenting side too because I think one thing my parents never, I don't think for one second felt like they had to do with me was to manage my reputation in any way. Mm. And I think because there's a perception that people are always watching your kids, you know they can see mm. everything that they can see what they do on social media. There's this perception as a parent that you're not just a parent, but you're a manager, right? Mm -hmm. You're cultivating these artfully curated experiences for your kids so that in the Mm. end, they have a life and they have a resume and they have a reputation that tees them up, (laughs) which is way more Uh. than is even reasonable to do as a parent. (laughs) That
0: sounds exhausting just to hear you say it. Mm -hmm. Right, but I think
3: there's a perception. And so I think like my parents were so happy for me to fail. (laughs) <laughs> I don't think we're as willing now to let our kids mm-hmm. fail. And like we all know, that's where all the best lessons are. Yes. So I think there's a point in parenting now where you really have to consciously, like you have to lay it down, mm-hmm. you know, and not play that game of trying to manage or curate or I think the phrase people used for a long time was engineer your kid's life. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Yes.
0: Yes, and from early on. Pre-social media, it starts so early. Yes, y'all, I love your perspective. I'm so excited that y'all are here. Me too. <laughs> yes. It's just so good for parents to hear, especially young parents that feel stuck in that race yeah. right now. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Well, and we dipped back for a moment into the 70s and 80s, that familiar <laughs> space for the four of us. What is something from your childhood that you'd love to bring back today?
3: Oh gosh. I don't know that anything I think of would necessarily be wise to bring back. There's, I mean, Melanie, Melanie and I talk about it all the time. We grew up sliding around on the back seats of cars because yeah. nobody, yes. you know, like seat belts are good. We should be happy for that. <laughs> I never had a bike helmet. Yeah. I say all the time. <laughs> I used to go to my friend's house. She lived like four miles away. I'd ride my bike. I had to cross the highway on my bike. Wow. My parents were not a bit worried about me. I yeah. think there was a kind of a carefree thing of of letting kids be kids. I'm not knocking travel sports. I'm just saying like there was none of that. Your life just happened kind of at your house and at your friends' houses. Mm. There was a simplicity to that that I think was mm. enjoyable.
2: Yeah, mm-hmm. I think that's what I was going to say. Is like I miss like what I. I always hated for Caroline and we live in a different kind of neighborhood anyway. But, you know, when I grew up, we lived on a street with a cul-de-sac and it was that thing of like you were out the door by eight in the morning and you didn't see your parents again until, you know, six o'clock at night when it was getting dark and they were screaming at you to come in. (laughs) And it was just a gang of kids and you would run and play and hide and seek and, you know, do whatever. But I think that gave us. You know, it's funny because you can go, well, it was kind of a carefree, different style of parenting and it was a different time. But it was also that thing of I think it gave us skills like how to manage conflict and whatever, because we weren't around our parents. So we didn't have our moms to come to our rescue and be like, here, let's get you out of this conflict. I mean, you would have a whole three part drama with your friends by the end of the day (laughs) and be fine by the time you ate dinner because you'd figured it all out. And so I think the screen's. It's funny because I think Caroline was right at that cusp because I think she was five when I got my first iPhone. But I think the kids now have never known a world without all of that. And I think we could all use some more time outside. Mm. Mm. Yes.
0: yes. Yes. I was talking to a mom about that yesterday about, I mean, she was saying, I just don't know the balance because my parents, same thing, like had no idea what I was doing. They weren't involved in all the different mm-hmm. crises that came up in my life. And she said, and I definitely want to be involved, and I want to know, but at the same time, I can overdo it, and I can overparent in that. And yeah. what we were talking about is when they let us go, it was always implying that we were capable of going. Mm-hmm. And it's not doing that today sometimes when we're over-involved. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, so let's talk about a specific thing, just because it's fun to talk to you all about the 70s and 80s. What is something you loved when you were a kid? A band, a book? A toy, I mean anything that was kind of your favorite old school thing.
3: Oh. So do you want to go first? I thought of two things right off the bat. I loved the Nancy Drew mysteries. Oh my oh, goodness. The yes. nights I stayed up. Again, mm-hmm. my parents didn't know if I was sleeping or not. <laughs> I started probably when I was eight or nine, staying up way into the night reading. And I don't know if y'all know this about me, but I'm the youngest by 10 and 14 years. My brother's 10 years older than I am. My brother, my sister's no. 14 years older than I am. So I was, my parents were real tired. <laughs> <laughs> and maybe just a tiny bit over it. So I was, golly, I would stay up reading Nancy Drew books. I loved him so much. And then the other thing, the first real, like, music thing I remember being, like, completely obsessed with was Rick Springfield. I thought Rick Springfield was fantastic. Because he was fantastic. That's why you thought that, because he was.
0: (laughs) He was. Amen.
2: (sighs) I think mine would be, I think books, this is going to be really specific, but there was a book called Mandy, and it was by Julie Andrews. And it just captured my imagination like no other book, like when I was a kid. I bet I read it over and over again. Julia Andrews, like Mary Poppins' Julia Yes, Julie yes.
0: She's my favorite. I don't know how I missed that. Oh, my gosh.
2: And I was a kid when I read it. But it's about a young girl who's in an orphanage. But she kind of finds this secret—it's like a secret garden, but it's not secret garden. And it just— I loved it. Oh,
0: I need to find that. Yeah.
2: And it's old. You have to kind of, I have a copy because I got it for Caroline and she didn't like it nearly as much as I did, <laughs> but it was magical for me.
0: Aww.
1: The Raising Boys and Girls podcast is brought to you in partnership with Minnow. Did you know that Minnow has an award-winning children's Bible written by VeggieTales creator Phil Vischer? The Minnow Laugh and Grow Bible for Kids is more than a children's Bible storybook. It's a deep, engaging, and whimsical gospel experience. Each Bible story is vividly illustrated, takes just minutes to read, and includes a family connection to encourage readers to learn, talk, and pray together. Find out more at shop.gomeno.com. That's shop.gominno.com.
0: Okay, I have to say, when you first said Mandy,
2: yeah.
0: I thought about Barry Manilow. Oh, well, you know. <laughs>
2: and that, too. I mean, <laughs> sure. Then there's um, that, right? Yeah. <laughs> and then I think I miss what Netflix has taken away from us. What I loved as a child was like Tuesday night starting at seven o'clock. It was Happy Days, Laverne and Shirley, Ugh. three's company. And if my parents weren't paying attention, taxi. And then I got to stay up till nine. <laughs> you know, like it was. <laughs> <laughs> and then I still remember that 40 years later. And heart later. to heart at nine,
0: Melanie. Oh, and heart, oh, to, heart, heart,
2: heart, heart, heart to heart. Heart to heart, y'all. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
0: Yes. y'all are speaking
2: our language. Yes. Yes. And then Friday night was Dukes of Hazard, love boat. Oh, and then again, if my yes. parents weren't paying attention, Fantasy Island, Fantasy Island. which was yes. highly inappropriate.
0: <laughs> and then was Knott's Landing after that. It just that got darker Thursday and night. darker. Yeah, yeah. Thursday, Thursday night Knots
2: Landing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yes. The fact that I can remember, because my parents were divorced, and I remember that we would go over to my dad's parents' house on Friday nights when it was his weekend, because we would stay there, and that we would all watch Dallas together as a family, and you're like, that was not appropriate for me to be watching (laughs) at eight years old, but I loved it. (laughs) I was just as invested in who shot Jr. and what was going on, (laughs) Sure. it was a different time. Yes. It was a different time. Yes. It
3: really was.
1: And because there was no binging, we had to wait to see who shot J.R., yes. didn't we? It
0: was terrible.
3: Yep. Which, that's a whole other thing, yes. isn't it? There's no delayed gratification anymore, really. Yes. Mm-hmm. Right. I mean, there yeah. is, but not nearly like what we experienced and like having to wait a week for a new episode of a TV show. Mm-hmm. Just watch them all at once now.
0: We're so off track, but (laughs) we had some t-shirts for our last fundraiser at Daystar that were super 70s looking. Of course, the person who created them was probably born in 2000, but Mm -hmm. every time somebody walked by in one, I thought come and knock on our door. <laughs> Is that how it went? Yes. And
1: We've been waiting <laughs> yeah. for you. Yes. But you know
0: what? That just made me think, y'all, you know you can skip? I wonder if people even know the theme songs to TV shows. Like, what a part of our life were the, you know, mm-hmm. I could still go back yes. to any of those shows. I bet they don't know anymore. No. What a tragedy. Well, they
2: don't make a good theme show song anymore. You know, they used to all have lyrics, and you know, the characters yes. would all pause, like mid-action, and they would, their name <laughs> would come across the screen, and we don't do that anymore. Now, it's just some it's instrumental. A record
0: on Happy Days, yeah. so would Spin. Exactly.
2: Yeah. Oh, y'all.
0: I know. We could do this for days. I go
3: back about once a month. I go to YouTube just to watch the Maud opening credits from, <laughs> no. from Maud. because I, <laughs> a great idea. I love oh my the Maud theme song. It reminds me of being like four or five years old. You know, I don't know. I just. <laughs> Wait, how does it go? <laughs> the chorus is, and then there's Maud. And then there's. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes. <laughs> And then there's Maud. Yes. And it's all, like Melanie said, it's all freeze frames and Maud's stopping like, (laughs) "Mm -hmm." you know, Maud
1: looking
0: shocked. Uh (laughs) We should take a picture of us all freeze framed and put it in the show notes.
1: That is so funny. We could circle around the 70s and the 80s with the two of you for years. So fun. So much goodness. Oh, makes me miss it. I know. And Sophie, I was thinking if your parents were that tired, you caught all of nots Landing and heart to heart, didn't you?
3: 100% <laughs> I did. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> 100%. Good
1: for you. Uh-huh. Good for you. <laughs> Good. We all we've been talking <laughs> in recent days on this podcast about teaching respect. We've been circling around that idea would love to ask the two of y'all, what do you think is specifically hard about teaching kids the concept of respect in this day and time?
3: I think one thing is that the grownups aren't doing a good job of showing it. Mm -hmm. Honestly, I mean, I saw last night, I have a whole thing where I like to watch TikTok before I go to sleep. (laughs) And as I was scrolling through TikTok, there were three or four videos that people had posted of, like, neighbors screaming at neighbors or somebody screaming at somebody on a plane or, I mean, and listen, we've all collectively been through a lot over the last little while, but I don't know that we value it on the level maybe that we did when we were all growing up. And I think we all feel real entitled to our opinions and to expressing our opinions. So I think when kids see over and over and over again adults who are disrespectful in their schools or disrespectful in their churches or disrespectful at the grocery store or wherever. I think that's implied permission
2: mm. that that's an okay way to act. Mm, that's yeah. A great way to say that. I think that's yeah. good. I read a book when Caroline was little and I wish I could remember who it was by, but it, it was talking about how starting in like the late seventies that we focused so much on raising kids with, we were so focused on their self-esteem and we didn't teach them self-respect And so Mm, self-esteem says everything's about me. Like it's all, this is my world. It's about what I can get. And whereas self-respect teaches you to respect yourself, which in turn teaches you to respect others. That's good. And I think that's where we've gone wrong is there's so much focus on everything's about you. And you're like, it's not about you. And you've got to pay attention to what's going on with other people and respect. But I think you can't have that if you don't know how to love yourself in a healthy way instead of just a, I want to be promoted kind of way. You know, that's
3: so funny that Melanie just said that because I was telling a friend yesterday, I don't know why I've had on my brain lately, just that quick passage of scripture about love your neighbor as yourself. And I thought it's the as yourself that's hanging us up. Mm. Because I think so many people don't know how, like Melanie said, to respect themselves, to love themselves. And so the love your neighbor part, if you can't love yourself, you cannot love other people well. Mm -hmm. If you can't respect yourself, you can't respect other people well.
0: That's so good. Yeah. Well, along the lines of respect or anything else y'all would want to contribute, what are some things in each of your parenting that you would say have worked well and some things maybe that didn't work as well that you would want to share that you feel like parents could learn from?
2: Well, sharing the book Mandy did not work well. (laughs) (laughs) It didn't really work out. But we really raised Caroline, I think we raised her to respect herself and to respect others. Our parenting philosophy was always we said yes to everything that we could. And we chose our no's to be like the hills we were going to die on. So she felt like she always got more yeses than no's. Mm. Which is brilliant with an 8. Way to go. Well, well, and that's (laughs) so much. And I think that's because Perry, my husband, is an 8. And so I think he recognized in himself, like, where is a kid he felt stifled Mm. and where we needed to let her go. So it's like when she wanted to dye her hair pink in seventh grade, go. Who cares? In the whole scheme of things, like but you're going to go to church on Sundays. You know, Mm. like we had our things, and I think that worked really well for her because I think it gave her a lot of freedom to kind of operate in her own boundaries. And then, you know, we would let her screw up and also feel the consequences of those things. That was a big thing for us. It was like learning from your mistakes. So I think that really worked well. I think sometimes for me, like where I messed up is I think because of the way I was raised— I wanted to be like the best mom ever. And so I wanted to do everything for her. And so I think sometimes I would step in and try to do too much. And I realized quickly, like, this is enabling her. or It's not helping her. It's not really equipping her for adulthood because I need to quit and so the good thing is because she's an eight and because my husband's an eight, they would say, you need to stop. Like, even <laughs> yesterday with college, I told Perry, I was like, I'm going to go up there in two weeks and I think I'm going to bring these blue bags and I'm going to help her get stuff packed up to, for Christmas. So she And he's like, no, 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 you're not. He said, you're going to bring her the blue bags and then you're going to say, pack up what you need for Christmas and she can do it herself. And I was like, OK. So mm. it's learning where to step back and let her yes. be her own person. That's so good.
3: I think. I learned two lessons fairly early on that were helpful to me. One was that just from the get, I had a tendency to parent out of fear. Mm. And it was good to be able to recognize that and to course correct a little bit. And I also learned that there's a really big difference in between parenting and controlling. And I think controlling feels easier sometimes, but that's not the same thing as parenting. So I think one thing that helped me a lot, I always kind of had almost like a manual unfolding in front of me when I was working at school, because I was always watching kids go through different things and watching how parents manage different things. And the things that resonated me over and over and over again were places where there was just bottomless grace for kids, also understanding that consequences are grace. Mm -hmm. Just the balance of that can feel tricky sometimes, but I think just to move in grace, and if I'm not operating from a place that's loving, it's the wrong time to act. It's the wrong time to decide. It's the wrong time to advise. It's the wrong time to try to correct something. I feel like so much of parenting has exposed my own junk I feel like on this end of things, we've done a pretty good job, but man, it has been lesson after lesson after lesson after lesson Mm. to get there. So Melanie was really good when Alex was little. That whole thing about try to have more yeses than nos has been super helpful and was absolutely something that we were mindful of. But I feel like in so many ways, I'm still a work in progress as far as being a mama. Mm -hmm.
1: Right there with you. That (laughs) is so good. You all Mm. just listening, the two of you, I love the wisdom and perspective you all bring yes. to it, just from having been in the journey of parenting as long as you have, and as you were sharing, working with a lot of students. Mm-hmm. And and I'd love to ask you both just if you could each give parents one or two words of encouragement for the journey, what would you say?
2: I think I would say, hold on. It's a marathon. It's not a sprint. I look back at Caroline. I mean, she's 18 now, and I think we've had really, really good seasons where I can get lulled into this false sense of, I am killing this parenting thing. Like, I'm <laughs> I'm clearly doing such a phenomenal job to seasons mm-hmm. of, like, I'm a total failure and she's going to end up, you know, all screwed up because of what I've done. And I think it's just remember, you're playing the long game. And so many times I think, and when I look at Caroline at this age, and, like, she is, and I have to say, and I know I'm her mom, but, like, she is a phenomenal 18-year-old. Like, I could not mm-hmm. be more proud of who she is and who she's become But I look at all the hard things she had to go through to get to that point. And I think so many times you want to fix that stuff. Mm -hmm. But you have to remember that you're trying to raise a fully functioning adult, not give immediate gratification to a seventh grader. Mm. And so you've got to remember to play the long game. Yeah, And hold on and pray a lot. Pray a lot. (laughs) Mm.
3: I think I would say don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. I think that there's a tendency, especially, I, I see this more with moms. I don't know if this is true for dads. David could speak to that. But I think it feels sometimes like it's easier when they're small because they don't have autonomy when they're small. And you're making so many of those decisions for them. But, man, it is such a blast to watch them start to take ownership over their decisions, over their relationships, over their school, whatever, over whatever their favorite extracurricular thing is. Like, it is so fun to see them learn to lean into that stuff and work hard at that stuff. And I would say that it gets exponentially more fun every year. That does not mean it's easy, but don't be afraid of what's ahead. It's going to get better and better and better. And Melanie has said sometimes, like, if you're worried, if you're being a good mom or a good dad, you probably are because you're concerned about it and you're thinking long-term about that thing. So don't be afraid of what's ahead. It's going to be a blast. Yeah. Even when it's hard,
0: there's going to be good stuff on the other side of that. Hmm. Y'all, that is so good. Oh, I really could sit and listen to y'all for days. And I keep thinking, well, they should have a podcast or write books. (laughs) So thinking... Y'all have done so many amazing things and shared so much truth and wisdom and you do regularly. So we definitely want anybody, which I can't even imagine there's anyone who listens to us that hasn't read and heard of y'all, but we would love just if there's one person out there who hasn't, will y'all tell them kind of a project you're working on
2: now and where they can find you? So I'm not really working on a project right now. (laughs) Good for you. I would say On the Bright Side is my latest book. It came out right before the pandemic hit. So that was a great time for a book to release. (laughs) That was a great marketing plan Mm -hmm. to have a book called On the Bright Side that comes out before a worldwide (laughs) pandemic. Mm -hmm. But it's kind of focusing on that there's always a bright side, no matter what we're going through. Which we sure need right now. We all need the bright side. We do. And then I have a, just because I feel like I get asked about this all the time, I have a devotional called Fearless Faith that I wrote that's really for girls like eight to Probably upper end 13, maybe as young as seven, but in that range. So those are kind Mm -hmm. of my two things that I will mention.
0: Y'all, if you came in my office, I have both of your books for girls sitting on a stack in my office. Oh, Mm -hmm. I share them with girls all the time. Thanks, sissy. Yes. Like
3: Melanie, I'm not currently working on anything either, but (laughs) I had a book come out at the end of the summer called Grace Upon Grace, which is a devotional book that I wrote with older teenage girls in mind, but it kind of works for any age. It's not just for them. But I would say one of the things that came out of I spent six years, seven years working as Dean of Women at a school here in Birmingham. And out of that came two devotional books for teenage girls. So that's my latest thing is grace upon grace. And mm. I don't know. We'll see what's next. If y'all have any ideas, let me know. Yes. <laughs> <laughs>
0: We could send you a lot of ideas because really. we'd love to hear your, both of your voices more and books <laughs> and all the things.
1: Yes. And what we're hoping can happen either in your next trip to Nashville or our next trip to your cities is that we could share a meal together. We'd love it. Yep. And if we could take the two of you to dinner, we would likely land in some space with tacos. It's a personal favorite of ours. Sure. And we'd yes. love to know your favorite.
2: My personal favorite taco is a puffy beef taco because I live in San Antonio, kind of to me, the home of Mexican food. Yes, it is. And so that is where you deep fry a tortilla until it puffs up and then you fill it with taco meat and lettuce and cheese, hot sauce. And it's just my Um. favorite. Yeah. So the puffy taco because it's extra greasy. So I like to add a little bit more grease to a taco. (laughs) You got to go big. You got to go big or go home on that deal. You got to go big. I tend to like
3: a shrimp taco, I think, is one of my favorites. And I like some kind of like spicy crema Mm. sauce situation on there. That seems to be... my favorite, and I like a I like a hard shell over a soft shell. I'm not big on soft shell tacos. I like the crunch.
0: Have you had the puffy one with Melanie ever? I don't think I have
3: had a puffy taco with Melanie, but I have heard Melanie speak fondly of puffy tacos
2: for <laughs>
0: many years.
3: <laughs> They're really for good. many years.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Oh, y'all are so fun! Thank yes. you so much for spending time with us. I mean, seriously, we have been looking forward to it for so long, so and it long. just. Y'all are so refreshing and delightful and have so much wisdom. And I might go listen to your podcast for the rest of the day just so I feel like I can hang out with y'all longer. <laughs> well,
3: thank y'all for having us. We always love being with y'all. I Which know. We, we love you it. more.
0: Yeah. I know. Us too. Too. Can we figure something? Yes.
2: Tacos soon. Next time y'all are in Nashville. Yes. <laughs> yes. Tacos soon. Tacos soon. Please.
0: Please. Y'all are the best. Thank you. Thanks, guys. Thanks, y'all.
1: The Raising Boys and Girls podcast is brought to you in partnership with Minnow. Minnow helps you make screen time meaningful for your family, which shows kids love and values parents' trust. Check them out at podcast.gominnow.com. That's podcast.gominnow.com.